bonus time on the ITC. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with a special interview MMA edition just days ahead of back-to-back Bellator heavyweight World Grand Prix semifinal matchups as Matt Mitrione faces Ryan Bader and Chael Sonnen squares off with the legend Fedor Emelianenko. Your boy BC, yes, definitely the voice that you hear headed on down to NYC this week to get some one-on-one in-persons with Mitrione, Bader, Chael. Unfortunately, we were unable to secure Fedor at the last minute. But plenty of good chats to listen to and ahead of what should be a wild and fun Bellator weekend. And don't forget, if you like what you hear on the ITC at all times, we want you to head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us that five-star review. And be sure to check out this week's regular MMA edition on Monday as BC and King Mo Muhammad Lawal jumped in, dove in. To all things UFC 229, Connor, Habib, all the craziness, controversy, who's at fault, what should happen next, is Habib the pound-for-pound king? And we also went deep on the preview ahead of Bellator's 206 and 207 to get you ready as this World Heavyweight Grand Prix rolls on. It's been exciting the whole way. You boys, BC and King Mo have been around, uh, along for the ride, if you will. But now check out some fine audio. We got Darth Bader. We got Meathead Mitrione. We got the, uh, what do, what do you want to call him? The American badass, the Westland gangster, jail piece on whatever you want to call the guy. He brings it every single time. BC had fun putting these together. Am I t- doing too much third person for you? I'll dial that back. All right. I will dial that the heck back. I know that's, that's absolutely ridiculous, but, um, yeah, you know what? Enjoy. Oh yeah, always pleased to welcome in the great, I say the great because he's the Bellator light heavyweight champion and could be the champ champ in Bellator, Ryan Bader, Darth Bader. Now let me start there yeah. because I've talked to you before, I never asked you this, so oh, it's a catchy nickname, it makes sense, mm-hmm. but are you a big Star Wars nerd or, or not at all? Uh, no, not at all. I don't even, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know if I've, I've watched a whole whole movie. Oh, you know, I no. took, I it took that one. part of me falling in love with you in the uh, early days no, of the No, I know, I'm sorry. It's better uh, than some of the other alternatives, I guess, but uh, you know. Like master, and then uh, master would have been yeah. a little bit. Uh, I mean, I would have popped for it, but it would have been yeah, a little. I like risque, it, yeah. but yeah, no. So Darth, uh, it was kind of given to me back in the wrestling days. You know, on these wrestling forums, there was a guy at ASU that always called me Darth, and then went to started training in my first MMA gym, and, and they started calling me Darth, so it kind of stuck. Absolutely, you'll see you this Friday, of course, Mohegan Sun, Uncasville, Matt Mitrione, semifinals of this tournament. I've loved this tournament because. Look, you know what Bellator does really good? Let's be honest. Mm. They do this the sloppy Super Bowl really well. They do the nostalgic freak fight really well. Yep. But now they're showing you with Gegard and Rory. They're doing yeah. guys in their prime. You really well. This matchup is more of the guys in their prime, even though Matt just turned 40, but he, but he's still obviously a top name. Yep. The two guys at the beginning of the tournament that the, the betting odds makers said... These two are the best. Any surprise for you that you're meeting Matt Mitrion at this point in the tournament? No surprise. When I when I saw the bracket, you know, I saw we were both on the same side. I'm like, all right, that's who I'm going to fight. You know, um, I believe he's one of the better guys in this tournament. Um, he's a true heavyweight. He moves well, um, and you know, he's very talented. He's very talented on the feet. Uh, where I I I see holes in his game. They just happen to be my strengths, you know, and so you know, that always me, makes a matchup good. Yeah, and so, it's wrestling, right? When it, when yeah, it wrestling, up, the cardio, candy. you know, and and I move, 
I don't move like a heavyweight. I move like a, a fast light heavyweight, you know, and I have cardio, some of the best cardio at light heavyweight, let alone heavyweight. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been through wars. I've been through five round grinders. You know, I fought the best of the best of the best, you know, and I'm willing to get a 15 second knockout like I did in my last fight, or I'm willing to go to hell and, and grind you out and, and put a beating on you for the, the, whole time and keep that relentless pace on you where you, you want to get out of there. You want to quit, you know? And so, um, wherever this fight goes, I feel like, um, you know, I have the upper hand there where he, he's, he's talented. He goes out there and he knocks people out in the first round. Rarely does he go out of the first round, you know? And when he does, you know, you saw like the last fight, you know, he, he won that fight. Um, but you, you got a little tired, you know, this and that. So I just believe I match up really well with him. Um, and I believe he's, he's the, uh, um, one of the toughest dudes in this tournament. You know, once you finished Mo Lawal in May, the way that you did, people were like, okay, this guy's the favorite. This guy's the most in his prime of anybody in this tournament. He can box. He can wrestle. Probably not going to be a factor moving up a few pounds to heavyweight. Yeah. So do you feel that? Do you carry that into this fight? Not just the regular confidence of your fighter, I believe I'm going to win, but that, yeah, I'm, I'm the man in this tournament. Yeah, I do. And I, and I thought that coming in, you know, but uh everybody's like, well, you're you're fighting heavyweights and all that. You know, I was 238, 239 at one point in this camp. You know, I, I've scaled it down a little bit because I, I want to fight where I'm comfortable fighting at, a good weight for me, that I know where I perform. You know, and for me, that's around 233. Um, you know, so for me, you know, Matt's coming in, in in the 240s. What's, you know, 12, 15 pounds? It's nothing. You know, I'll keep my speed. I'll keep my uh, my great cardio. I'll keep my quickness. Um, and I'll bring all those attributes up there. Plus, I'm, you know, 10 pounds heavier and of you know lean muscle mass that I have on my body. Um, I'm faster than ever, better, you know, best cardio I've ever had. So coming to this tournament, yeah, I feel like I'm the favorite. I feel like I'm not, I'm not just that wrestler anymore. You know, yeah, back in the day I relied on wrestling cause I didn't know what the heck I was doing on my feet. You know, I threw a big overhand, right? Now I, I know what I'm doing. I have the, I have the techniques, I have everything and I'm becoming the whole package was the is there a specific fight in mind in your eyes throughout your run whether it was in ufc or not where you felt you turned the corner where you felt you're not just a you know a promising title contender but but you've put the package together? yeah it took a long time and that's the mental aspect of it too you know yeah i've had my hiccups here and there but uh around like the rashad fight i remember walking out there and it wasn't i didn't have blinders on it was it was open i could see what he was doing before he knew what he was doing you know and uh um, I was like, wow, that's what it's like, you know, and then being proficient and, and catching up to experience and, and, uh, you know, especially with technique and all that, you know, I used to go out there in the stand up department and go, I just got to hit this guy in the face. That's it. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to try to try to do it, you know, and then I developed a jab. I'm like, wow, makes life so much easier. I, I know what I'm doing in the meantime while I'm, not, you know, uh, you know, throwing the jab out now, you know, setups and, and tricking people and doing this and that. You don't have to be the most proficient, uh, uh pretty, technical striker in this game it's mma you know it's big guys small gloves i just got to hit you in the most efficient way without you hitting me you know now, did, so, you, did you have that mindset when you took the belt from phil davis at bellator nyc where it was not the prettiest fight yeah the crowd got old no, yeah, that, that, and phil had a little bit of a history of doing that in the past yeah that fight was terrible you know it's just, in fights with phil you know he's a great competitor i think he's one of the tougher dudes out there you know but um the way we match up and the way you have to fight phil that is how that fight's going to look. You pressure him too much, he takes you down. He's a beast on top. You know, it's just, it's one of those fights where like, ah, you know, glad it's over. Let's move on. You know, to go out there and get a finish. I've, I have four finishes in my last five wins. You know, um, I'm, I'm 
10 and 1 in my last 11 fights. You know, I lost to, uh, Anthony Johnson, which for me was, was a mental lapse right there. And then, uh, you know, go all the way back to Glover. That's my yeah, last that's loss. That's a five year run, I, you one know, loss. I almost had Glover there and almost would have, should have, could have, but, um, you know, so I, I feel like now I've, I've filled those mental holes, everything, you know, and I, I've caught up to, um, all my techniques and all that. So I just feel like now's my time and it's a perfect timing. Now, when you when you beat King Mo the way you did, now I do a podcast with him, so mm-hmm. we were following his journey week to yeah. week, and and certainly it was it was very discour- discouraging the way to lose like that. You yeah. know, with the left hook, he he catches a, a sneaky knee to the fi- you know face on your way down, yeah. fight over. Yeah. So for him, it's it's this tough luck story. You come back from injury, it's over. Is there any negatives for you in the way you win that? I mean, you don't take any damage, but no idea, no negatives in terms of well, I didn't get time, I didn't get rounds, I didn't get anything. Is that the yeah. perfect? Yeah, perfect I mean. Scenario? You- yeah, and and I didn't really hit him with a knee in there. That's what he claims. That's no, what he if claims. you look at the video, there's nothing in there. Um, I, I end up getting his back and you know hitting him with four or five other punches. But um, you know, it's no people are like, oh, didn't you want to test yourself and go a little longer? No, I felt great all through camp. I, I've I had a great camp. I test myself in sparring, great guys, um, and so to go in there, especially in a tournament format, one punch a guy in 15 seconds and leave unscathed, didn't get touched. Um, that's, that's a perfect, I'm fact. sure for wife and kids, that's like, yeah. yes, the, the I, I guess the only, the only thing for me would be, and, and we, we knew we were going to catch him with that or left high kick sooner or later. Cause of the way he, you know, uses that boxing. Oh, stance. so this wasn't, this was, it was no. lucky. It wasn't just, no, hey, it, was, it was premeditated it. there, you know, and, and he, he does, he kind of keeps his hands low. He's a good boxer. Um, but he, he uses that boxing stance and he, he's always ducking. So when he threw that that body shot and he was ducking to his right. I'm like, all right, I got you. I'm going to hit you with this hook here. And I just kind of fainted a, a jab takedown kind of came over the top of the hook and, and his head was where we thought it would be. Um, the only thing would be, oh, it was a lucky punch. You know, if it went a couple more minutes, I was tagging a lot, but then got him. Maybe, maybe that would bend a little better, but I'll take that all day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're going to be facing, if you, of course, defeat Matt Mitrion on Friday, you'll be facing the winner, of course, Saturday's fight, which is the sexiest big name matchup you yep. can have. Fedor, Chael Sonnen. I can't hide the gross side of my fandom. I say gross because I love old guy fights, man. Yeah. I just, I love sloppiness. I love like, you tell me Shamrock and Kimbo are going in there. No, years I, I'm, I'm, the same I'm like, man, I got to see what it looks like. What is Chael? And fate are going to look like because I can't I, the the expert the journalist in me I can't figure it out I can't figure out what this fight's going to look like. I'm with you, man. There's uh this fight is for me. I always usually pick a pick a winner here. It's really who can implement their game plan, and it, it's no secret. Chael's going to go in there, try to take you down, and be on top of you and control you. That's it. If he gets three takedowns, say he gets two takedowns, one around, he can control Fedor. He wins the fight. If Fedor goes out there and stops his first couple of takedowns. I think Chill all of a sudden is going to start to panic a little bit. He's going to start getting tagged up, and Fedor just runs away with his fight. But it's one of those things where um, people are always saying, like, oh, Fedor's going to kill him. I don't think he's going to kill him. I, he, he could lose, you know, lose this match or this fight. He could go out there and get taken down, you know, um, and then, you know, never underestimate, you know, uh, Chill hitting you also on the ground and, and where Fedor's chin's at and this and that. So, um, for me, this fight's 50-50, whoever. I, I really believe it's the first two takedowns. If Chell gets one, he's going to win this fight. If he doesn't, he's losing this fight. No, it's funny. We were just talking about your knock on a mole the wall where it, 
it can say something that might not be true. To some people, it said, oh, that's a lucky punch. Yeah. To other people, it might say, oh, my God, Fedor's a knockout artist. This guy's yeah, a destroyer. Yeah. He's going to win the tournament. So when Fedor does essentially the same thing to Frank Mir, the narrative is, he's back. Oh, my God, yeah. 42. What? Forget the last six years. The guy is back. How do you sort of gauge where Fedor is? Because he's in a weird spot. Look, he, he's washed. But he's so quick still, man. Yeah. So it's like, wh- how do you do? How do you, you know, gauge? Fedor's danger. He's not the fighter that he used to be, which is the best fighter in the world, hands down. You know, but he's still a dangerous guy. Like you go in on Fedor, he's throwing bombs at you. Like that. That's his game. He's gonna throw, you know, a, a hard overhand, a hard hook. You know, and if you get hit by that, you get knocked out. You know, um, he got. He got dinged by Matt, and he also got Matt too. It was a little double knockout, almost. You know, Matt got oh out first, God. and That's a moment yeah, right there. that was and, that was a pretty sick. And moment. got a, you know, and, and had the wits about him to get up and, and finish him. Um, and then, you know, Fader got dropped again with Mir. You know, he got dropped a little bit, um, but he did look good. He, you know, he threw a big, big Mir, um, and ended up catching him and knocking him out. You know, and that's a big boy right there. And then where's Mir at in his career too? That's you know, point. he was coming off a two-year layoff. So um, he's a dangerous guy. It's one of those. One of those fights where you're like, I got this fight, but there's stuff to be worried about for sure. Who do you prefer if you had the get? And look, you got to beat Mitrion. We're not going too far. We're not saying you're there. I got a fight in front of me. Um, I prefer Fedor. I mean, I I think any one of us in this tournament would, would say Fedor. Um, the mystique of it, winning a Grand Prix, uh, you know, tournament, which he kind of came up on, um, let alone for the heavyweight belt. There'd be nothing better than that. You know, country versus country, the whole deal. Um, you know, Chell's going to bring his own uniqueness to uh, a finals. But for me, uh, a heavyweight tournament, you know, I, I want to fight a heavyweight in the that, finals. That, I respect that. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to go in and fight a 205-er, 185-er. Like you respect what Chell's doing. But yeah, he's oh, still, 100%. He's still blowing up middleweight. Chell's going in there and he's beating these guys, finding ways to beat these guys, and it's it's very admirable. But I want it, the heavyweight tournament, I don't want it to be – it's not going to be marred or anything, but like, oh, two light heavyweights are in the finals – you know, once potentially a, a could be a middleweight. You know what's going on here. I wanted to be like, all right. You know, Ryan came in, beat a tough, tough Mo. You know, King Mo went on and beat a legit. You know, I think Matt Mitrione's one of the number one heavyweights in in Bellator, right? Or he is the number in one. The world, yeah, really? In the world. You look yeah. how thin that UFC heavyweight. Oh, hundred percent. You know, he's ranked number number one, number two in the UFC. You know, um, and so to run through him and then to run through uh, another heavyweight, that would be the ultimate. You know, and let alone that name being Fedor. Do you suspect that Matt's a little chinny at this point because the great Fedor knocked him down? I'm trying to remember which which one of the first two uh, Mitrion Bellator fights he got rocked. Yeah, by he got rocked pretty he got hard. Back up and finished him. Was that maybe it was the first one? Yeah, the guy first or second. The guy didn't really follow up right away. I thought he could have you know finished that fight. I mean, that's heavyweight MMA, or is is he yeah, could he be suspect? You yeah. know, and then you know Matt Matt's calling me kind of chinny in in this and that. Um, you know, and for me looking at, and I don't get into this too much, you know, and I, I respect the guy a lot, but getting into his record, I'm like, all right, you fought, you know, guys, I don't, I don't really know of, you know, and then, yeah, you fought Fedor, you got, you both got dropped, you know, you jumped on him, you know, and then, and then you had, uh, your Roy Nelson fight, which was very, very close. And, uh, he looked good on the feet and especially first round, part of the second, and then started getting really hammered on. You know, and then you look at my record, fighting studs, you know, best in the world from the UFC carried over to here, you know, um, you know, from, uh, Iller Latifi who uh, knocked him out brutally. He's, he's number three right now in the UFC. Noguera, tough Noguera, you know, and then coming over and Phil Davis, obviously one of the best in the world. Linton Vassell, who is, I, I feel is extremely you know, underrated, yeah. you know, um, and then 
King Mo, who who I believe is top five, regardless of promotion. Don't forget, you before know? that, you had that run of OSP, Phil Davis, yeah, Rashad yeah. Evans. I mean, there's of course, these are no and so I, I, that's what I've been doing this whole time. And so there's I have there's no gimme fights for me. I'm not saying anybody is a gimme fight at all, but um, if you compare records and then compare who who he's fought as far as a wrestler, you say Roy Nelson. You know, it, yeah, he's a wrestler, I guess, high school wrestler, but he's not a dynamic, explosive wrestler. You know, and he had a lot of trouble. Whenever Roy wanted to get get a takedown, he went and got it. He ran him ugly to the fence and just took him down. I think when uh, I like the the head of your last fight, the Bellator sort of documentary series and the lead up, it shows you guys as regular people. And sometimes we forget yeah. that, like, you know, you're not fighting in the streets during the week. You're regular yeah. people. So, do you still find it weird when you are like, I don't know, at your child's school and it's parent night and you meet the other parents and you're like. What do you do? Because even me yeah. in my profession, they go, what do you do? Oh, I'm a sports writer. What sports do you cover? Boxing, pro wrestling, and MMA. And you still get the, yeah. oh, okay, hey, it's great talking to you. Do you still get that that, that kickback in your personal life? Um, yeah, it's weird sometimes, but it especially like when stuff happens, like the Connor Khabib, and they're like, oh, that's what you do. You're like, no, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm professional. But um, I think it's gotten better, especially, you know, in Arizona. Uh, I've been around for a long time, and it's um, – I feel people know my character, and I'm not judged by the whole MMA. Yeah, you kind of come across as a as a regular dude too. I mean, and and I, that's kind of what leads me into this question: is you, you hit a certain level of celebrity and name value. You were a, a UFC contender for many years. You fought a lot of big names. Do you still care about that side of it? Do you look at like, well, you know, if I do win this tournament, I'm the two division Bellator champion. I'm the heavyweight champion. I might beat Chael or Fedor to get there. Do you, do you still? Uh, aspire to a higher level of celebrity or do you sort of get i don't care about the celebrity i I care about the um you know competition of it going out there and winning and and you know getting these two belts because that solidifies my work you know that's what i care about i don't care about people recognizing me or this and that or how many followers i have or whatever it's all about or if you can get a dynamic fastener sponsor yeah it's all it's all about me going out there and, and proving that i'm the best in the world now, to close here, if you're successful on this journey, you go through this tournament, you're the champ champ. That's the worst phrase. I, I know. I hate that crap. Anyway, if you're the damn champ champ, what, what are you going to do? What, do you, what division do you want to – did you in, ever think you would be in heavyweight at this point? I mean, where, where are you at with this? I'm going to defend both. You know, that's my thought process going in there, win this heavyweight tournament, defend the light heavyweight, defend the, the heavyweight belt, and kind of see what I go goes from there, you know. And uh, um, I don't want to be stripped of the title. I want to, you know, be the first to – to defend both, you know, and keep, keep rolling with that and, and take those big fights and we'll see what happens. You know, I might not, you know, I might want to go down to light heavyweight, defend it. And then you see what happens and just be like, all right, I didn't want to cut weight anymore. I'm going to, you can stay up here at heavyweight. So that's my plan right now. Defend both and, and keep rolling. Does it ever get you excited when Bellator starts to stockpile these name guys when like suddenly Vador, Machida showing up, you know, and you're like, yeah. hmm, that'd be a fun main event to be on the Paramount Network and, and, and promote that. Oh, 100%. You know, these fun fights. That's why I came over. I, I came over to win and keep winning, but fighting those top names are going to be up there, you know, fighting for the belt. So that's where we're going to be. All right. All right. Well, one step at a time, Matt Mitrione, Friday night. Best of luck to you, man. Great chatting with you. Appreciate it. Bring it on home to Arizona. Done deal. Thank you. Thank you, man. All right. I'm sitting 
with one of the better quotes in MMA, Meathead, Matt Mitrion. Are we still allowed to say Meathead? I know it's an old sure, it's, it's, it's my unofficial vernacular All right. or uh, moniker. So You don't get the credit as being one of the better quotes. And I say this because I interview a bunch of times. You're always towing that line between a little ornery, like the fight's almost here, this media thing drags on, and then hilarious. You, you bridge that well. Oh, well, thanks. I appreciate it. I'm just a natural smartass. So. You, you just naturally bring the pain. Friday night, you're going to bring the pain apparently at the Mohegan Sun against Ryan Bader we just talked to him very good looking fight in the Bellator World Grand Prix semifinals good looking not just because of the faces of you two guys but these are the two tournament favorites beforehand you you were the guy that the odds makers those sketchy dudes in Vegas were like Pick Mitrione. Pick. Yeah, not the case anymore, huh? Bader's a favorite. Did that change? I haven't seen the update. I, I have, I've been told on uh, ah. some form of social media. But it's tough, man. It's tough to go. Uh, it's always hard to pick, but uh, we'll see what goes on. All right. You've given – every fighter is going to be asked about Connor and Habib, and you gave mm. some good takes yesterday I, I listened to, and you're honest about it, how this is obviously bad for the sport, for sponsors, extended. Mm. But you're a former UFC fighter. Are you surprised, though, at how – appalling the decision not to punish Connor for what he did? And do you agree with my hot take here that that opened the door for what happened on Saturday with Habib? When you don't punish Connor as a corporation for what he did to his own co-workers, you announce that it's the Wild West, brother. You set the precedent, brother. That's that's what it is. They they Connor holds all the cards, right? And that's what happens. Um, they gave... They, they build people up. This is... They, had, they did it with Ronda. Um, they build too many people up and then when they do, uh, it collapses on them because they realize how much juice they have and then they use it against them, right? They, they have all the leverage. Um, but I guess that's... I guess that's kind of the trade-off when you're trying to build stars. Um, so I, I, I would agree with that. I think that's pretty accurate that the UFC kind of made their own bed. Uh, and... And it's dirty. Yeah. Yeah, it is. For sure. Um, and it sucks, man. Like, uh, there, there's... You know, selling a fight is one thing, but being disrespectful is another. And um, I don't know. I guess I just don't. I don't get down like that. I'm old school. I'm forty. Um, You're a man. Come yeah, after me. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I, I don't. I don't get down with that. And like I'm an American, and there's there's not many Russians in uh, in the UFC. There's more now. Uh, there's not many uh, Russians that are at the level that uh, Habib is. Uh, and there's no Irishman really in the UFC, so there's like entire countries behind these people here. These people don't play. You, yeah. you gotta, yeah, it's it's a dicey situation. All right, we're gonna get back to this. You just said you just turned forty. I looked up your birthday. We turned forty ten days apart. Little difference between us. I'm a weekend warrior, rec basketball player. I started to feel like the explosion was lost at thirty four, and the recovery was lost at thirty six. Now I'm forty. I'm washed, brother. Hmm. You're, you still got it. Obviously, you're a pro athlete, but do you feel any change physically? Uh, I, I do not. Um, actually, uh, that's one of the things. I've, for a handful of years, I, I've made sure I take some time off, like uh, in between fights, especially, but like on, on, on like fight uh, like training schedules. Like I, I make sure I build in time to recover, but it doesn't really work that well because my brain, I'm kind of brainwashed into, hey, look, we need to go work, we need to do something. So I end up going to the gym and I end up doing more than what I should. So I, I, I get. Um, in theory, overtrained or underrested at times, so I have to make sure I, I, I manage that. But I don't think that it's, um, it, I don't think it's as much of a factor of my age. It's just my intensity level about what I do. And true or false, heavyweights a division you can grow old gracefully. Correct, correct. Most heavyweights start later, fight later. Uh, our careers and our successes are primarily predicated upon power. That was a lot of alliteration there. Um, I like that. Yeah, and, um, and and so most of the smaller weights are uh, dexterity, agility, quickness, uh, cardio. Uh, as we're heavyweights, it's not so much. So uh, yeah, so we can grow old gracefully in our category. Uh, That's why this camp 
sucked. What well, the listeners fun. to the CBS Sports Podcast can't see is you're growing the salad out. It's a little reminder of your football days. Is this a permanent change here? No, actually, I'm going to get the wig trimmed this week at some point in time. Just not yet. I'm trying to find a place to get my hair cut in Manhattan, and I just haven't had the, the luck yet. I'm sure it'll be cheap. You know? yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Just like home. Uh, we, we, we always, uh, everybody always asks you about your NFL days, but you played for Purdue, and I'm a big Big Ten fan, a Big yes, Ten sir. State fan. Yeah. And you, you, what a turnaround, man, from damn near the death penalty of all that madness that was I know, going on. That's, I mean, that's incredible. I was almost ready as a fan to be done at that point, yeah. just out of disgust, but that yeah. they turned it around. But your senior year was, was it 01, was it? Senior year was 01. Uh, what, what kind of quarterbacks did you take down? What, what's, what's on your hit list there? Um, first career sack was Dante Culpepper. Nice. Uh, we had, uh, Belisari for, uh, for Ohio State. Um, I'm trying to remember who else that we you played had. in the Rose Bowl against what? Tui Asasopo? He took you guys downtown. Yeah, yeah, we lost that one. Um, I'm trying to remember who else we had. We had somebody in Michigan, but I can't remember who it was right now. Was it? Was it Henny back then? I can't. Hell, I don't remember. Yeah, that would that would have been the beginning because I think he started all four years. Right? Yeah, something. Yeah. I mean, we, we had a good run. It was fun. I had. Uh, I got a story about Michigan. You always have good stories. Last time we got the Kimbo Slice toilet bowl toilet, story, oh. toilet seat story, the, the which is dribble. legendary. Yeah. yeah so, for sure. so what do you got here? Um. So <laughs> so we. Uh, you know, you always hear about stuff that goes on in piles. So uh, we were having a good game against Michigan. At least I was, and uh, it was A train, Anthony Thomas. And uh, I caused a fumble, and we, it was a pile. We're all in this in this pile. We're scrapping for the ball. And a house, I mean, a Michigan old lineman had the ball. I can't remember what his name was, uh, but Aiken Adel, my guy, and, and I were at the bottom of the pile. And we we're kind of fighting for it. And and dude had better position. I was kind of on the outside. Aiken was kind of scrapping for it, and um, and I couldn't get in. So I was like, well. And I took my two fingers and I stuffed them in his ass of the old lineman. <laughs> and he freaks out and he lets go and he lets go of the ball and we recover the fumble, right? Wow. So we're laughing about it coming off. Um, so we're, we're laughing about it coming off the field. And my D-line coach is standing on the side of the line. Uh, Oiken was a D-lineman with me. And he's standing on the sidelines and he got his arms crossed like this. And he's shaking his head in like a no fashion, right? And I'm like, what, man? We got the fumble. What are you talking about? And he just doesn't say a word. He just points up at the jumbotron. And they had a close-up of me sticking oh, my fingers no. in his ass in order to get the fumble. All's but, fair in love and anus, it right? is. Um, so can you adapt that? I mean, so I, I'm imagining a scenario. Connor's getting ripped for grabbing Habib's gloves at UFC 229. I didn't, even, I, I didn't see it from my view, but everyone's like, check the Zapruder film. He was grabbing the guy's gloves. Right. If you're in a choke from Bader on Friday night at right. Mohegan Sun, can you go two fingers I'm up the old ch- A-hole? I'm, 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 checking, I'm checking oil all day. Oh, buddy. wow. Watch wow. out, Bader. Hey, Darth, get ready. Yeah. Um, actually, you know who I played with? Talking about quarterbacks, I played with Drew Brees. Oh, nice. Drew Brees, the all-time the greatest uh, passing uh, yardage yes, man in NFL history. Yes, sir, man. So you got stories, you bros, or what? Uh, yeah, he used to come home with me back uh, back home to Springfield, Illinois, where I grew up. At he was from Austin, Texas, so he would come home with me. We I, I lived on a lake coming up, so we would uh, jump jet skis and get crazy and get wow. nuts. It was a good time, man. Roll around, uh, check out his functional BJJ. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was it was a good time, man. We would uh, we get out, get crazy out there, and we go bridge jumping and doing a bunch of stuff. But he was a regular dude because I don't even think he knew he would go on to. The the success he had back then. He was the third quarterback taken in the class. Um, so, like, nobody expected him to do anything he did. He just ended up, I mean, he's so intelligent and he's, 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 he's like a robot. He doesn't vary and pressure doesn't get to him. So, he's great at what he does, man. I'm really proud of him. That he's mental focus job. there, you, you know, that, that's a good thing to pick up on. I, I could use that in my life. Uh, yeah. Ryan Bader knocked out Kingbo in 15 seconds in mm-hmm. May. You're going to be facing Bader as we established right there. When you knock out somebody that quickly, mm-hmm. people are either going to go one of two ways. It was You got lucky? We mm-hmm. don't really know how good you are at this moment. Or, oh my God, Bader's a knockout guy now. He's, right. he's, he's a destroyer. He's the favor of the damn tournament. What did you take from watching that? Um, 
I don't think there were many takeaways. I think he came. It was such a fast fight, um, which I predicted, right? Um, but I feel that uh, I feel that with Bader and especially with that fight, I feel that it was um, he came in with, with a straight up and down posture, which tells me he wasn't worried about Mo's wrestling. He's very confident. Um, it was a baby hook. It just caught Mo in the right spot. I don't know if Mo was changing levels or, or, or what was going on there, but um, I don't think there was much to take away except for the fact that Bader's confident right now, and I, 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 he should be. He's the two hundred five champ. He should be. He should be pretty confident. You said you predicted. It. You actually predicted it on this podcast over the phone with King Mo there as my co-host over the phone. I did. And since then, you guys got a little south. Well, you were cutting promos on each other. Yeah. And I said, hey, do you have any message for Matt Matron? I'll be talking to him tomorrow. Yesterday, he said. Tell him I want that rematch. Tell him I'm coming for it. I know you got bigger plans. He's not going to get that now. But you got anything to say to King Mo? Nah, Mo. Hope you're doing all right. Hope you healed up from that knockout. All right, that's, that's very PC. We don't normally get that from me. Oh, it's right a now. jab for sure. All right, all right. It's, it's, it's a sly, subtle jab. Uh, you defeated uh, Mo Sensei, Roy Nelson, to get to this point—a majority decision. There was some mm-hmm. good. There was some bad. Critically for you, from the, what the experts said, mm-hmm. how do you feel about your performance in that one? Um, I think I whooped uh, his ass pretty solidly standing up. I think that. Uh, I think he did a good job. I wasn't as prepared as I should have been for wall defense. Uh, that his height on his shots was strange to me. It was like mid, mid quad level. Um, and he was strong. He was stronger than I expect him to be. Uh, but you know, it, it, I don't think much happened there. Uh, I think that I, I, I won that. He won the second half of the third round. Um, so, uh, a 28, 29, uh, I think is, is, is rather appropriate. Now, uh, you have beef with Mo. Now you got beef with Roy now, apparently, because he came out with a firestorm after that fight and said really bad things about your integrity. Are you going to take that? Uh, well, I don't think anybody can really question my integrity. I think if you do, it's, it's, it's your shame. I didn't cheat to win. That's how it goes. Okay. I mean, you look like a vagrant. You fight like a vagrant. You behave like a vagrant. Wow. That's, that's tough words from a tough man right there. I like that. That's why this guy's one of the better interviews in the game right here. It is what it is, bro. All right. All right. Hey, this is a sport that's covered in tattoos. You're not really covered in tattoos. I just thought about that. You don't put a bumper sticker on a Bentley, brother. I'm a genetic wow. specimen. You don't, can't, can't tighten us down like that. Wow. Wow. All right. So when, when we talk about, when we, when we journalist experts, we're really just paid fans. You got scars instead. You do. You I do. got scars. Is that the Ryan Jimmo scar? It is. It is the All Ryan right. Jimmo I, scar. I, I'm well researched. <laughs> um, uh, us, us journalists, we're really just paid fans, let's be really honest. But mm. when we look at this matchup, we go, and we, meaning King Mo next to me in the preview show yesterday, how is he going to deal with the guy's wrestling? Mm. So, Matt Mitrione, how are you going to deal with this guy's wrestling? <clears throat> well, um, I'm going to be me. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, I, I don't really – I, you know, we modified a couple of things going forwards uh, for this fight. But um, I'm athletic. I'm long. I'm limber. I'm aggressive. Um, I'm going to be me. We'll see what happens. He's good at what he does, for damn sure. That's why he's the best 205er in the game. But um, I'm a different animal. I'm a different animal. than I, I am the anomaly when it comes to heavyweights. Um, and I'm difficult to train for because of the way I do what I do. There's a lot of baiters out there. Um, and I had uh, Anthony Johnson in my training camp. I had Rashad Evans in my training camp. I had um, a handful of guys. You mean the Anthony Johnson? The, the one that, that finished Ryan Bader? Mm-hmm. The one that hits really hard? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. How's he doing? He's doing all right. He's oh, big. Oh, wow. You think he'll yeah. ever fight again, or we can't get into that right now? Uh, I have no idea, man. Right. He, he's happy doing what he's doing. That was nice of him to work you out, though. I like yeah. that. I like that. Yeah. All right. If you uh, win this, people are very excited about this Saturday night sexy matchup. Same network, Paramount Network, this time from Long Island when Chael Sonnen and the great Fedor, the man in the sweater, get mm. together. What do you What do you think? What, what, what comes? Because I can't pick it. I yeah. can't. I can't find an avenue to victory. I mean, I, I know how Fedor can win this, but can Chael, can Chael keep away from that quick right hand for three rounds? I think Chael can make it miserable. 
Um, on the viewers or on Fedor? Both. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think I don't. If Chael wins, it'll be an incredibly boring fight, um, and there won't be a finish. Um, if Fedor wins, it could be on the ground, it could be standing up, it could be a horrendous, vicious knockout. Um, but Chael's going to make it suck. That's what he's going to do. That's what Chael does. He's going to make the fight suck and be miserable, and he'll he'll try hump Fedor into uh, an unpleasant victory. Wow. Um, Maybe you should teach Fedor the old uh, two fingers to two the finger wizard. Trick, yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, does that work in the dating life too, or is that did I just cross lines right there? I probably, <laughs> I, let's go back to Fedor. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it, it, it could be it could be in a really exciting fight, and it could also be a, a miserably boring fight. Um, and, and if it's boring, Chael's going to be the victor. Do you want either guy? And we're, we're not saying you're looking past Ryan Bader because you're not. But do you, if you look ahead at the idea that you could be the belt or heavyweight champion, is there one or the other that you want? I mean, you already fought Fedor. You already knocked that guy down. Out. Yeah. Um, no, no, I, I don't really care, to be honest. It's, it's, uh, I mean, Chael's a bloated 85er. Ch- uh, Fedor's a, is a, a legit heavyweight who could fight light heavyweight if he ever chose to. Uh, Fedor's in, insanely quick, uh, and good at what he does. So, I don't know, man. I don't really care. I, I as, as cliche as it is and as football as it is, I got Bader. I'm worried about Bader. Okay. Do I sense a little, 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 little chail beef in there, or am I just, am I really no. looking deep? No, no, looking... there's, there's no chail beef. Okay. Cause... Chael's a chihuahua. We can't hate on Chael, right? I mean, yeah. the guy's, the guy's a, you're right. He, he is kind of a, yeah, I, you know, the, I got one of those dogs in my house. My wife's dog barks all the time, but at the end of the day, she sits in your lap and she's yeah. great, you know? I'm a great Dane. He's a chihuahua. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. I love this kind of talk. Um, does it, does it matter the spell to heavyweight champion? I know it's a stupid question, but like, is this like, man, this makes my career have meant something if I win this? Or is it just a nice prize and I'm a professional fighter? And I, and I get out there and I get that check. Um, winning the title is important to me. Uh, I want to be able to come home and give my children the belt. Uh, it means a lot. I've sacrificed a lot. They've sacrificed more than I have. Um, there are situations in which I have to miss events, uh, activities. Uh, I can't coach my sons in football or sports because I have to be gone. I can't be to my daughter's recitals or, or gymnastics things. Um, so it would mean a lot in order to be able to give that to them. I like it. I like that. Deep inside this meathead, he's a real family man. He's an, he's an all-American, uh, middle, where, you're from middle America, right? From Indiana and Illinois, brother. There it is, brother. Hey, best of luck to you Friday night. Paramount Network viewers, be there. I think it's like a, Danny Brenner, 10 p.m. start, something like that? 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Eastern, whatever. Check it out. Matt Mitrione, thank you so much, man. Thanks, brother. The, uh, the American badass. Chill P son and chill too much fun. What's that mean? Yeah, I know there's no such thing. It's like a girl too pretty. <laughs> How did you ever pick that theme song? It- uh, you know what? I was in college and that song was out. It was never even all that popular. I just loved it. And uh, in college is when I wanted, you know, I would I, w- I would dream about being a professional fighter. And I remember just, I told a friend, I said, "Well, I'm a professional fighter. That's the song I'm going to walk out to." All he right. thought it was a terrible song. He thought it was ridiculous. Which encouraged me to go with it. There it is. I know Stone Cold has tweeted about in the past. Did you meet the late Daryl Singletary and have a connection with him? I never did, but I was very close. I've been in Nashville one time in my life. I was out there with my wife and my mom, and uh, I looked him up on social media. He wrote me right back, and uh, we were supposed to go to barbecue, but his tour bus broke down. Which I think is like the dog ate my homework. Like, I don't think he really, you know, the bus got a fight. But that's what he said. I didn't get to meet him. All right. All right. Well, Saturday night, we're going to see you again. 
against Fedor Emelianenko, Bellator World Heavyweight Grand Prix. We got a lot to talk about that. We got to put last weekend in the rear view. You were in Vegas for UFC 229. So was I. We love your work on ESPN, of course. Everyone's talking about how bad that crap is for the sport. And I agree. I wrote that column. But I just want to ask you one thing. As a former UFC fighter, as an analyst today, UFC deserves some blame for not punishing Connor in April and is there a connection with what happened Saturday when you it's like a parent with your kids sure if you have a younger yeah. kid and you stop disciplining him is it going to go right in the end yeah tough spot huh T- tough spot to break that one down and even the commission who's overseeing this needs time they even said that they came out and said 10, ten day suspension for both of you guys where we process what happened I find myself doing that same thing to re- was Connor rewarded for a bad action? Yeah, he was. There's really no way around it. It, it was called the uh, dirtiest moment in in MMA. Uh, he was then rewarded with his highest paycheck ever in MMA. So, what do you do with that though? Is that wrong? Did it not build intrigue from a business perspective? Aren't they separated? I think that they are. Yeah, I think it's, it's not that you don't get it. You you right. get start. I mean, go back to being in high school. The quarterback got in trouble. The coach would get him off of it. Sure. That's what happened. Yeah, I mean, look, he had a bad action. He dealt with it, and the, did that help to promote a fight? Yeah, it did. It did. I can't deny that that happened. But uh, but if you're Paul Daly, are you happy about it? <laughs> yeah, a fine example. Well, you know, and even Artem uh, Lobev, if you if you'll remember, who is what that was all based around, at least allegedly, he was supposed to. Fight the very next night at the Barclays Center, and they took him off the card. So we found out that participating in that mob costs you a fight. We found that out from Art, but it didn't cost everyone a fight. So I understand where there's that balance there, but I, I got to tell you, if I was in the boss's shoes, you know, I got to let it play out the same way it did. It's tough. I mean, I don't think, I don't think you can then throw the book at how. Be- and by the way, this this whole situation, if you're if you don't want that in your sport, you got to throw the book at somebody. Sure. But I think they're in a hypocritical spot where you can't. Because yeah. you want the rematch, A, you don't want to wait two years for it. Sure. And B, what are people going to say? That's but then right. again, Dana doesn't care what people are going to say, and they cash checks. Yeah, I mean, Dana has an obligation to you know to serve his business as best that he can with the pieces that he has. And in, and they're not totally related to these two situations. And if I can just explain that for the listener. What Connor did was actually a legal action. He was taken into custody, ultimately passed over to the DA's office, and stood before a judge. Dana let that play its course, and however it was is, is what he was going to live with. And that is very in line with how Dana's behaved before. In the case of Khabib, that's a commission issue. That True. happened at a sanctioned event. So again, I don't believe that Dana is going to step in. I don't think he's going to give him extra and punishment. We know I know that he'll need to. I think Khabib's in big trouble here. Well, the thing, the reason why he's in big trouble, you said it, Nevada State Athletic Commission, the same people that let Floyd Mayweather in 2012 delay his jail sentence sure. so we could get your money from the Miguel Cotto fight, Floyd. Yeah. Then you can go away. They're not, this is, a, this is a bad brochure to the tr- potential travelers that go, oh, I'm going to Vegas with my boys, but let's not go UFC weekend because we don't want to get trampled in a, sure. in a riot, you know? Yeah, no, it wasn't good. And I, 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 some of the dialogue that has come out since it has, has just been bizarre to me. For example, people have tied Khabib's actions into Connor's actions. And Connor was pretty cool about it to go, look, I did a bad thing. Now you did a bad thing. We're square. Connor right, was actually, right. he had, he had a, a street, that, that street morality math. Yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, street math. I like how you said that. But they weren't totally related because the guy that Khabib went out there had nothing to do with the bus incident. You know, if Khabib looks out and he sees one of Connor's boys that was there to attack him that day, it is a little bit different. It is a, that's not what happened. He went after an American guy that actually lives in New York that's got nothing to do with anything, and it just made well, it there's more bizarre. Film. This is becoming a Zapruder situation because video just came out in the last hour from a new angle that shows before Connor jumped the fence to attack Dylan Dennis, Connor's co—I'm sorry, Habib's co-agent. 
had put his arm on Dylan's shoulder almost to taunt him. The two started jostling like they're going to fight, and a second later, Habib jumps over the cage. So when you watch it from that angle, you go, oh, Habib sees a guy he hates wrestling with, potentially fighting with his co-agent. He's going to go get his back. So it's all... It's all I did it's, not know that. That is interesting. I mean, he still can't do it, but right. to your point, if we're going to break down every single aspect of it and, and try this in the court of public opinion, we need all the information we have. I didn't have that information. That's interesting. And that gentleman was uh, ended up being arrested on my laptop at row A, and seat, you know, seat one, row A of the UFC press area. This laptop right in front of you, Chael, so maybe one day he can autograph it for me. But uh, <laughs> let's put that behind us. Uncle Roy, is that, is that Uncle the, the Rudy. gentleman? Uncle Rudy. Sorry, Uncle Rudy. You got any uh, Uncle Rudy uh, take you down on the mat early, make you a man, anything? Got any yeah. Oh, I, you know, I came from a tough family. Yeah, Rudy uh, Rudy was an old cowboy himself. Yes. He, had, uh, he had four boys, and they were all champions and winners, and they were older than me. So these are the guys that I looked up to. And uh, But, yeah, we had some rough Thanksgivings. We used to clear the tables out. There'd always nice. be a wrestling match, but sometimes there was a boxing match. And sometimes he's uh, joining us in the studio. Is he a West Lynn guy? Uh, Woodburn, Oregon. He's about thirty okay. minutes away. Okay, okay, okay. Any any wrestling in your background, Uncle? I wrestled my coach wrestling. There it is. There it is. I like that. I like yeah. that. I like that. Well, you're preparing for Fedor, and I got to be honest, Chael, this is the sexiest matchup possible in the tournament. It's the most fun because it's got a little mixture of the nostalgia old guy element. It's got a little mixture of we never thought these two would ever fight each other because they come from different weight classes. Two worlds collide, rival nations, Rocky Four, all that good stuff. But then it's got the, at this age... I don't know what the fight's going to look like because sure. we all know you want to take it to the ground. We all know Fedor is still deceptively quick with his right yeah. hand. So I'm going to ask you, what the hell is this fight going to look like? Yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know. But I do resist the at-this-age business. I, <laughs> I do resist that. I, I have been slowed down a bit. And I, I, I run – I mean, I, I've clocked times, you know, on, on two-miles runs or in the weight room, and there's actually quantifiable things where you can look back and see where you're doing that when you're younger if you slowed down. I have not slowed down. I don't know that he has. I hope that he has. Uh, I think he was something very special. I think that he still is. Uh, but I, I do hope. The, the, the father times grabbed him a little bit. He's got a power I've never had to deal with. He's got a size that I've never had to deal with. Um, yes, yeah, so the power comes with it. But, Do you speak uh, Sambo? Can you deal with that? Sambo sucks. Yeah, Sambo's garbage. I, any sport that's not contested in the Olympic Games is garbage. I mean, that's kind mm. of the parameter. If, if, if you're in the Olympics, you're a real sport. If you're not, you're not. Uh, so can I deal with his Sambo? I've never had to deal with Sambo, but um, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, there's, you said his power will be something you never faced before. Is it, and you, you also just made a good speech against age and ageism and Fedor's 42. Look, he's not the same Fedor, but, but where is he in your eyes? I mean, you know, on the scale of prime to wash, he's somewhere in the middle, but and with all due respect, but was that Frank Mir fight a little bit of fool's gold for yeah. the idea that he's back, that he's this and that? You know, I really don't know. I, I, I haven't bought into the fact that, uh, that, that Fedor's not in his prime. I don't really know about that. I mean, we're in a world heavyweight tournament. He's in the final four. So if, if, if out of your prime lands you, even at fourth place in the whole world, I, I you know, I mean, that, I think that that's just fair. And I also don't want to take away from my own glorious moment, right? If I get beat, I don't want to get beat by a bum. Fair point. Uh, and if I win... Um, I, I want my moment. I, I deserve my due. I'm going up in weight class. I'm taking a big risk here, and, and and so I'm trying to preserve that. So maybe what you're saying is more of a reality, and I'm blind to it. Maybe I'm coming to you from just a selfish perspective, but I don't buy into it yet. I, I, I've got real concerns about Fedor. I've got real concerns about taking him down. I have a real confidence that I can keep him there if, if I get him there. Uh, you know, and then that power is something else too. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun to go out and deal with that, but it is something that, uh, has created some stress in my week. Alright, what weight do you want to 
be at or are you at? Because I'm looking the 24 inch pythons. I've seen you more muscular at the moment Thank than you. I than I remember. Yeah. Oh, more muscular. Thank yes. you very much. Well, I I tried to lose some weight. I got up to about 228, and I'd like to weigh in about 220. I'd like to weigh in at 218, 219 if I could. But I think 220 is realistic. I did not bring a scale with me. I usually travel with a scale, but that's because I have to beat the scale. In this case, I may be overweight, but I'm not over 265. <laughs> so. Uh, I, so I don't actually know what I weigh, but I can tell you I've been traveling for 10 days now. Went to Vegas, came straight here. I haven't eaten a carb in 10 days. I was going to say, it's impossible to so eat I, good in Vegas. That's right. But I, so I think I'm losing weight, though. I think I'm losing weight. I think I'm going to be a, at that 220. Okay. I'm, I'm taking a look in front of me at the original Bovada odds on February 12th that did have you as the the complete underdog of the tournament. Oh, wow. You were plus 1,400, and a fighter known as any alternate fighter was plus 650. So wow. you were you were twice as unlikely Sizable to be underdog. in this spot as any alternate fighter which I, does that mean Chicago? I don't know what that means, but that means anyone anyone who would have filled in. So what do you say to those uh those crooks in Vegas, those gangsters? Oh man, I wouldn't say anything to them. Uh I didn't know that. I would I would that's a good bet right there, but uh, I mean it's a hard tournament. It's going to play itself out the way that it will. I, you know, I'm two weight classes out of out of my uh, premier weight class so or ideal weight class so um i've got no problem with that well, let's see how it all goes though all right all right who do you like in this pairing which were the betting favorites matt mitrion was the tournament favorite coming in he'll be facing ryan bader friday paramount network in connecticut bader now the favorite entering into this one the analyst had of chael mixed with the guy thinking I'm going to have to fight one of these guys yeah. if I beat Fedor. Who do you like? Yeah, hard fight. Um, I tend to lead towards Ryan Bader. I think that uh, he, he certainly got the better wrestling. I think those guys would both concede that, including Mitch Rion, I think. Mitch Rion can knock him out with his power for sure, but so can Bader, and I don't think people understand Underrated that. boxer, yeah, right? Good Bader, jab. B- power. He's just a powerful son of a bitch. And, yeah, if he hits you, it, it, it's going to leave a mark. So I think that's an interesting fight. Um I don't know. I don't know that I'm ready to make to make a pick on that. I think I don't know if either one of them gets their due. Uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Uh, I'm sure you've asked this 50 times, but do you have a guy out of the two that is a better matchup for you that you're thinking? If I'm going to go all the way with this, I want I want to face that guy. Yeah. Well, so I don't. I don't really know. I guess I'm more prepared to fight uh, Mitrione. I, mean, I guess I'm just listening to the odds makers a little bit more. But, you know, I'll remind you, I am the number one contender for Ryan Bader's championship. So my time with Ryan Bader will come, regardless of how this tournament plays out. It might be for the heavyweight championship, but as soon as we're done, we're going to cut down and do it for, for his light heavyweight title, too. 41 years old, Chill, and, and you've never felt better. Young. 41 years young. That, that's, a, that's a good change. Or I like that. I like that. steroids and growth that, Well, <laughs> hey, take that, USADA. Yeah, there you go. Uh how much is the 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 wisdom factor in MMA? Like, can you give me a, a tangible example of what it's like in in this age? Now that you have all this experience, uh-huh. you're smarter than you were in your early 30s as this up and coming talker and pay per view star. How did how are you able to use that to offset the natural you know loss of sure. speed in that? Stuff? So uh, a tremendous co- misconception, at least in our sport. I think for other sports, the more you play them, the better you get. The more you play this one, the worse that you get. <laughs> and people will talk about experience, but you know, if you can get that guy that's got about seven fights, seven to twelve fights is the real sweet spot. You start going over that, and you start diminishing. So I do hear guys talk about experience and how much they've been in there, but uh, or I, I hear guys also with a false narrative about how helpful youth is. It's not youth that is helpful; it's the inexperience that's helpful. It's the lack of miles and wear and tear on your body. And I can tell you from my experience, as far as in the cage goes, it doesn't come in very helpful. But 
in training, it does. I, I, I am able to train uh, in better ways. Usually when you hear guys say, I, I don't train harder, I train smarter, that means he's just making an excuse for being lazy. I still train very hard, but I, I have found certain areas that are, are more helpful to spend time. So your the the education the experience that you've gained helps more in the preparation than it does in a fight. That's right? right. You're not necessarily in the second round of a fight. You go, oh, I remember that time I fought Jason Lambert at Gladiator, Gladiator sure. Challenge Twenty. I'm going to remember not to make that mistake yeah. again. I that mean, was a hard fight, by the way. I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, championship fight, uh, which I won, December thirteenth, two thousand three. Seems like it was yesterday. A great experience out there, but. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And I think other sports, I think that we're unique in that. I do uh, just remember from my youth playing other games and getting better the more I played. Uh, it's not the case in, in MMA. And not just with me. I mean, I see that with some other guys. Boxing is the same way. The, the harder fights you have and the more it gets drawn out, the shorter your career becomes. I love uh, the, the the mind that you guys have because every fighter is different, especially at the tail end of their career. And they're coming to terms with why they're doing this and how much time do I have left? How many more paydays can I get? Have I achieved all I wanted to achieve? I do this podcast regularly with the great King Mo, Mo yeah, Lal, a, a guy great. you're very friendly with. And he's from his point of view, it's always like, look, I'm the money weight champion. I do it for the paycheck. I don't care who I fight. I don't care who's the pound for pound. I don't care about anything. This is a business. I've come to realize it. I see it. But for you, Chael. I not only care what what division in your mind is. Well, I got to put money away. I got to achieve this. You've come pretty close to the top in the UFC, but didn't get over that hurdle. Does the idea of being Bellator heavyweight champion do anything in the competitor in your heart of hearts to satisfy something that you have not achieved? Oh yeah, no, that has soothed a lot of pain. Yes, uh, for sure. You know, I, I I got in this just to be champion. There was no no money and no fame, and it's been a fun ride to be here for the explosion of the sport. Uh, and a lot of benefits, but that's not why I got into it. I got into it for that belt, and yeah, if it all ends and it ends without that belt, this will be a colossal failure. The entire the entire journey will be a colossal uh, failure for me. All right, all right. Uh, do you King Mo? By the way, that was my pick. You were talking about the odds uh, earlier. He he was the guy I thought would win this. Oh, draft. that was a heartbreaking. I had yeah. Bader in here a half hour ago, and we talked about it. You know, it, it was a. It was a heartbreaking loss for for my guy. I was I mean, so disappointed. I was so disappointed because that was going to be a great match. That was going to be was. a great fight. I would love to see those guys go at it for a while. And Mo was going to rough. Mo was Mo's plan was to make that a dog sure. fight. Yeah, and Vader caught him with that shot, and I mean that was that. It's. I guess it's it's tough for any fighter. You know, in his case, he had the narrative of I'm healthy for the first time in X amount of years. You know, I finally got my hip situation dealt with. I feel ten years younger again, and then to not get a chance to right. show that. And I'm sure, you know, you've been up and down that road. You know, many times you go into a fight feeling like a million bucks, and, and it could end. And, and it's just yeah. like it, I wanted to see that though. I wanted to see that contest. I think it was you know 13 or 14 seconds. Bader actually cut him with a knee, kneed him in the head. That's what Mo claims down. that yeah. that the punch. Punch floored him, but it wasn't going to finish him, and it was a knee. And Bader disputes that and says, "No, it was the ground and pound." Once I got on yeah. him, but, you know. Well, you can always dispute it. I don't know that Bader broke the rules. I think uh, you know I saw that once, and now I'm having a hard time remembering. But when Bader did come down on him, there was definitely a knee, intentional or otherwise. And I think it was otherwise. But but either way, yeah, he did he did catch him with a knee. Do you think much about what your life will look like post career? And, and you're certainly in a 
much better spot than a lot of combat sports athletes, being that you're very television friendly. I'm sure you could, you could, you're going to have a very wealthy and public facing post life after fighting, but how calculated are you? Because like for me personally, I'm 40 years old. I don't, I don't think about retirement. I'm afraid of the idea that I'm not going to have enough money. I'm like, dad, my dad figured that out for himself. I'm just going to ignore it. It's not going to, ha- whatever, jail. If I get there, I get there. That's fine. Do you think about that? Do you think, well, how am I going to make money when I'm 55? Yeah. Yeah. Probably not as much. I mean, I, I do get, and this is a, a downside to this. And this is why it doesn't always end well for athletes is you do kind of go all in. You go all in on a dream and that, that, that can be a very risky proposition. And, and your coaches will tell you to do that. And your peers will tell you to do that. And you got to sacrifice anything. There's a real, or everything rather. And there's a real truth to that if you, if you want to reach the top. But, um, to your point, if you don't have that uh, second plan and that second phase, it, it can be real detrimental. I've seen other guys go through that, uh, and I and I do observe it. But you know, for now, I'm, I'm going to see this through. Do you, the idea, and you're, you're incredible, and as a TV analyst, you've developed a, a really well, smart a nice and funny personality. I I kind of feel you're a cross between two legends I love, almost half Larry Merchant, half Teddy Atlas, if you uh, will, which means you're smart and you know how to do the yeah. shtick. So, is this job something that is fun? It's extra money, or is this a was this a calculated move where you go, you know, I can have a really nice end game. I actually could get more famous in the long run from this, and people will have to go back on Wikipedia and be like, oh, he was a fighter too. Sure, uh, I mean, yes, it is. It, it is a platform. Um, you know, I sat on a speech that Dana White gave a number of years ago, and 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 that was his idea and mentality. And I was looking around the room, and it was going over everybody's head. And I, I remember writing that stuff down and going, okay, I gotta. He, he's making a point here that you know we can take an audience build it uh and then take it into use that platform and take it into to the next chapter of life so that is something that i've focused on but uh no for right now i mean i i I trade it all i give it all back just to be world champion for one day and uh good times with the great ariel hawani on this uh i want to pump your show on espn plus ariel the bad guy on the bad guy yeah ariel's fun he 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 upholds his end of the bargain He, he works hard he shows up on time doesn't know a damn thing he's talking about, but, but, but he is there, and I, I appreciate that. Uh, I'm sure you saw this in public. Now, you're a celebrity. You, when you walk around, especially at MMA fights, people are going to flock to you. There can be sometimes lines of 40 to 50 people for Ariel Hawani, and they want him to not just take a picture, but meet their child, give their son advice on the phone about his career. They cheer when Ariel walks in the I room. mean, this guy's got something going that yes. not everybody in the, in the journalistic game could, could, could compare sure. to. For sure. No, he did a good job. You know, he started at the sport at the time where there was no opportunity for anybody, let alone a journalist. I mean, there was just no opportunity. And, and I guess, you know, whether he risked it, if it was unintentional, accidental or not, but he built a base, he was there at the right time, he deserves credit for that. Uh, does Anderson Silva still absolutely suck? Anderson Silva probably does suck in comparison to me, but uh, I do enjoy watching him fight. I'm glad that he's back, and I, I, I hope that he uh, I hope he rises to the top again. I, I like watching him. What happens when you see him, or have you seen him? Is the, have you crossed into the point now where it's like Magic and Larry Bird seeing each other, and it's like, man, we've been up and down in the wars, but I have so much respect for your brother? No. Or is it still like he looks at you as a clown? Well, yeah, I, I don't enjoy seeing him. He doesn't enjoy seeing me. Okay. Uh, There's no barbecue at his house, which no, was his joke. No, we've that time. never had a embrace as as light as a handshake. But I have seen him from across the room, and there's some form of acknowledgement, and we we both know to stay on our sides. Chael, you're always honest with us. Which loss? Is the one that still eats at you the most? Oh, the most ever uh, guy named Zach Thompson in 1999 NCAA tournament wow. blood round. Wow, yeah, Iowa State. Uh, you win that match, you become an All American. You lose that match, your season is over. I was winning that match one to nothing. 
which on this particular athlete is all the points you need. One point over Zach Thompson is is, is all you're going to get, and I had it, and I just had to write out the clock, and I didn't do it. Isn't that weird that a lot of times it's the the pre-professional times where it stings the most, where where maybe the sport was more pure and more met? You know what I mean? It's like I can look back to the junior and high school rec basketball championship we lost and I cried my eyes out in the locker room and it's like there's it's so real to you at yeah. that age right yeah it, yeah I like how you said it at that age because you do need to cartmetalize it because uh but yeah that was that was the one that hurt I mean it was it was a lifetime to get there and uh I mean I, I didn't even have to beat him at that point I just had to beat the clock and uh found a way to, uh, found a way to lose all right, real quick with you on the way out here. I play always play a fun game with King Mo. I call it story time. We go in his Wikipedia. We pick a fight. He tells us something we never knew before, right. like before the fight, the Japanese mafia was there with all these hot chicks. And I'm like, did you smash? And he goes, no, they would have killed me. Those kind of fun stories, all right? <laughs> okay. September 6, 2003, all right. Denver, Colorado. You face UFC Hall of Famer Forrest Griffin with the IFC promotion. Tell me what's going on in the, ahead of that fight. Yeah, so before that fight, I mean, everything was fine. It was a light heavyweight tournament. I was a middleweight at the time, but I got the opportunity. It was $50,000 to whoever won it. Uh, winner take all. Did you and, know anything about Forrest at that point? No, uh-uh. He didn't know anything about me, and it was three fights in one night. They say it's the toughest tournament of all time. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's a, a true statement or not, but I, I couldn't argue it. So, um, I mean, who was it? Babalu won the whole thing. Jeremy Horn was in there. He was ranked number one in the world at the time. We had some Russian guy that had just beat Randy Couture. Wow, uh, that's some good names yeah, at that, that point. Was in there. Trevor Prangley was in there, uh, you know, who I faced three times in my career, once in the UFC. I mean, it was just a really hard tournament. Uh, Shogun was in there and... Babalu came out on top of the whole thing. But anyway, when I met up with Forrest, that was the very opening round. And no, I didn't know anything about him. Uh, I threw him down. I was uh, I was beating on him pretty good. And he put a uh, triangle choke on. And he moved to the next round. And I went home. So two years later, when he is on The Ultimate Fighter, and we know the great story, the Stefan Bonner brawl, and it saved the sport and all this stuff. At that point, you're still, you're almost ready for the UFC, but you're still kind of going around the world. Do you watch that and go... Man, I could have beat that guy. I could have been that guy. Yeah, and I could have been that guy in this regard. I was asked to be on that season of The Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, Randy Couture was the coach, uh, who was my coach and teammate. So, yeah, he asked me to come on, and I didn't do it. I wanted to be governor of Oregon. Uh, you couldn't run for office if, if you did this show for X amount of time. Whatever it was, and I ended up not doing it. But um, I, I didn't look at it with any jealousy. I looked at it uh, with all of Forrest's career, which is just happiness. You know, if you ever met Forrest, there's a bunch of scumbags in the sport. He's not one of them. He's he's one of the good guys. So, no, I took pride in the the fact that I had shared uh, shared that brief moment with Forrest, but I also took a lot of pride in his success. Well, you're, I love talking to guys like you because the sport is so young. You started May of '97 was your first pro fight. That you still connect with the era. When it was the Wild West. And, sure. it, and you can argue it's still the Wild West, but it, that was really the prehistoric yeah. times. The people, you know, Vitor Belfort wearing shoes, like those days, you yep. know, and, and, and you're still going at it, and you're not just still going at it against another 50 year old guy. You're going at it for a chance at the Bellator Heavyweight Championship. Yep. Uh, does it, do you get sentimental like that? Do you, do you, do you think back to, the Battle of Fort Vancouver, your pro debut in 97, be like, man, I probably made 25 bucks for that fight and look at where I am no, now. No, I made nothing for that fight. My, I came up from college. I was in college. I came up. I told my parents. My dad didn't understand what it was, so he stayed home. He never missed one of my matches. He didn't go to that. He would have been a big fight fan. Uh, he, he didn't understand what I was telling him because it was called Pancration. And he didn't even know what that meant. So my mom and I drove Yeah, up. MMA wasn't a term at that point. Yeah, my mom and I drove up to this this tent in, in uh, 
in Vancouver. Matt Hume was putting the show on. Uh, and I fought that guy. I fought Ben Haley. But no, I don't ever look back because it seemed like yesterday. I remember yesterday just like losing that match to Zach Thompson in, in 1999. I mean, it just, it, it just went by so fast. So, no, I don't get sentimental about it, but... Uh, you know, I do think you got to break rules. I don't, I don't, I don't understand some of this stuff. You know, they, they say there's a rule that you're you're out of your prime at 25. Well, then that rule doesn't apply to me. Yeah, uh, you're you breaking know, it. Yeah, they say that you know your body should be breaking down, your motivation should be leaving. But I, I have different goals. I, I think that an athlete's ability to extend his career is a, a tremendous accomplishment. And you know, I came up with the Randy Couture's and the Dan Hendersons and the Matt Lindlands and. Uh, you know, Matt made it to 41, and Dan made it to 46, and Randy made it to 47. And and but I see those as achievements and milestones, and I want to beat those guys. Love it. I yeah, love those that. Those rules don't apply to me. I'll do whatever the hell I want. I don't want to see any of you guys no. retire. The Belfort, no. all the guys that were there in the beginning when this sport felt illegal to watch. When it, you know, like that, that, there's an addiction to that original grimy feeling. You probably saw when the first time you saw UFC one on the sure. screen. I mean, it's just sort of that. It probably what got, got you the urge to be yeah. that guy. Yeah, to it be was. the gangster. Two thousand one. Yeah, I remember. I went to a video store, rented it. Uh, cut class, and I wasn't into cutting class, but I had to see this tape. Went over to my buddy Jeff Williams' house, watched it, went home, told my parents I skipped class, but told them I found out what I wanted to do. <laughs> my dad was into it. My mom didn't know much about it, but my, my dad was into it. He missed my first fight. I was telling you that, but when we, we came home, we had a tape. He was so mad he didn't go. He was so mad he told me this was my fault, that I didn't I didn't explain to him what we were doing or he'd have been there. He made all his friends come over. He showed them all the tape. About five different times he showed them all this tape. It's just a crappy little tape, you know, wearing their no gloves on. And Oh, wow. What's this, Pancreas? You told me it was Pancration. You, you tell me you were fighting somebody. I could have gone. Oh, he's pissed. That's great. Yeah. That is great. Uncle Roy, one day. Rudy. Rudy. Why, why am I calling you Uncle Roy? That, Wait, that, hey, you got so the much R. disrespect. You're, you're actually doing a good Uncle job. Uncle Rudy. No, that's twice. Right. That's too much. Uncle Rudy to close uh, in Oregon State lore. Well, one day. Chael P. Sonnen passed Prefontaine as the greatest hero in the, uh, in the... He's on a path. He is. He is. We'll get gold around your waist to yeah. see that path concluded. And it starts Saturday against the great Fedor, the semifinals. Paramount Network, be there or be square. Chael Sonnen, thank you for the time. I appreciate Always your a pleasure. Energy. Thank you, my friend.